Well, we're going to turn to our reading now for this morning, and it can be found in the next part of our Roman series, Romans chapter 4, uh, verses 13 to 25. And uh, Hannah is going to come and read that out to us now. Romans 4, 13 to 25. I think, Hannah, you'll be reading something uh, just a bit earlier as well. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so I'm going to start off by reading verses 3 to 5 of Romans chapter 4. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Verse 13. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be the heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing, and the, pro- and the promise is worthless, because the law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. So shall your offering, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Thank you, Anna. Well, let's pray before Phil comes and speaks. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your word. And we thank you so much, Father, that it is an opportunity for us to know you more, know more about what you have done for each and every one of us here this morning by your Son, the Lord Jesus. We pray for Phil as he comes and speaks, that you may strengthen and equip him as he comes to do that. And may we be drawn so much nearer to you, love you so much more as a result of this time looking at your words. We thank you and praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks, Dan. Is that coming through? Brilliant. Um, If you could have your Bibles open, that would be great to that passage. Um, Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about faith, haven't we? 
And two weeks ago, Josh explained um, how Paul writes this letter to share with us the good news that brings us into a relationship with God. And last week, we saw how that news changes everything, that, that a relationship with God comes by faith. But the question is, and this is what Paul kind of looks at in this passage, what is faith? That's the big question. What is faith? So he takes a step back and he said, well, let's examine what faith, living faith, actually is. Because today, when we talk about faith, what we mean is believing there's a God out there. So for many today in our culture, faith is seen in in the same light as believing that there are fairies at the bottom of our garden. Uh, For others, faith is a kind of mystical experience that's so personal, you know, you you can't really take it away from me. And and, and it's, it's all different for each of us, but all valid for every one of us. That's what our culture says faith is. But Paul wants us to see that faith is not believing in fairy tales. Neither is faith a a mystical kind of personal experience that everyone has and everything's different. But rather, faith is trusting. It's a concrete trust in the promises of God. And, And we need to see that. As Christians today, we need to see that because whereas for our culture, for our world today, faith is just an add-on, an optional extra that gives us a boost when we're down or some luck when we're stuck, faith in God's eyes is a rich and a deep reality-changing trust. And that's where our passage points this morning. God wants us to know that the life-changing power of God comes by faith. So we're going to look at that now to see what it means. And the first thing our passage says is that faith is God's gift. Now this might be simple, but it's really important, really profound. Faith is God's gift. So Paul starts our passage using the example of Abraham from the Old Testament to explain more about true life-changing faith. Look with verse 3 of the passage. What does scripture say? It says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham's story tells how God appeared to Abraham and God promised Abraham that Abraham would have a forever special relationship with God and that one of his descendants would be the savior of the world. That story is found in the Old Testament book of Genesis and Paul quotes it here in these verses to make his point. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And that's the phrase we're going to look at. What does it mean? Well, the Bible says Abraham believed God. It doesn't mean, yeah, okay, thumbs up, thanks very much, carry on as you are. What the Bible means by Abraham believed God is that a transfer of trust happened in his heart, in Abraham's heart. So as God spoke his promises to Abraham, You're going to have descendants, as many as the stars. Abraham, you're going to have a special relationship with me. Abraham, someone, one of your descendants will be the savior of the world and transform this world completely. Abraham no longer trusted everything he used to trust. Everything he used to think gave him a special relationship with God. Everything he used to think was right about his life, his significance, his identity. Abraham instead trusted in God's promises. I'm going to illustrate that with these two chairs. On this chair is, Abraham, is everything that Abraham once believed about himself and God. It could have been him thinking, look, I'm a good person, God loves me. 
or, or, or I'm better than everybody around me. Or, look, God, I keep, I keep your rules. We've got this special thing going on between us. I keep your rules. You give me uh, salvation and eternal life. That's cool. That's a, that's a good payoff, isn't it? But his whole way of thinking totally changed when God promised him eternal life, a special relationship, and and, and, and a descendant. Because on that chair is all of God's promises. And what Abraham does is he turns his back on everything. Everything he used to think was right about life in God and eternal life. And instead, he believed in God. And he trusted in God's promises. Everything he once thought was great was now revealed as nothing. And the minute this trust transfer happens, something else happens as well. We're told that Abraham was given righteousness by God. God gave righteousness to Abraham. That means God took away his sin, God made him his friend, and made Abraham right with God. Righteousness, right with God. So Abraham had a special relationship with God from that point on. Abraham believed God, and God gave Abraham his righteousness. And verse 4 and 5 and 13 and 14 tell us that could not have happened if Abraham believed and acted as though he could earn his way to God. And that's the second point of our passage. Faith cannot be earned. First point, faith is God's gift. Second point, faith cannot be earned. Look at verse 4 and 14 with me. Now, now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but an obligation. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, verse 14, Faith means nothing and the promise is worthless. Basically, the Bible says here that if our relationship with God is earned by efforts, that's what he means by keeping the law and works, then a relationship with God is not about trusting God's promises, it's about getting paid. That's the total opposite to God's gift of righteousness. If we trust God's promises, then righteousness is received from God as a gift. That is like the difference between the money you get on your paper round and the gift you get on your birthday. The money you get on your, on your paper round is never a gift. It's money earned. And in contrast, the presents we're given on our birthday are never earned. They are given as a gift. Could you imagine sitting down at your birthday, rubbing your hands with glee and saying, oh boy, they better be good because I have earned this lot of presents it doesn't work. That, that means you've, you've paid for them. They cease to be exist. Uh, they cease to be, cease to be a gift if we work for them. In the same way, God's righteousness is always and only a gift that we receive when we trust in God's promises. That's why we're told Abraham believed God, trust transfer, and God gave him his righteousness as a gift. And just think how how this gift of faith transforms us. For for a start, it's liberating because we know the blessings of being, we, we know the blessing of being sinners whose sins are not counted against us. So when we fail, we when we sin yet again, we don't have to excuse our sins or ignore our sins. Or even despair over our sins because those who trust in Jesus are still right 
because of what God has done. So even when we mess up in the biggest way we could imagine, God's got us. And it means we can go to God in prayer and confession and seek his comfort to lift us up so that we can fight once more and seek his relationship once more. It means that we can have a new identity as God's children that's immovable and unchangeable. In other words, we're part of God's purposes. When we're in a special relationship with God, when we've been given his righteousness, when we've made that trust transfer and believed in his promises, we have a purpose and a plan and a reason and an understanding of what we're doing in this world. And we have complete assurance. God's not going to change his mind. He's given us his gift of righteousness. He's not going to take it back. He's not going to say, you've got that, but only on good behavior. It's his gift, full and final, entirely dependent on his power and not our effort. Can I ask, do you have faith in this Jesus this morning? It it might be that you have to take a long, hard look at yourself and, and, and you've realized you don't, that you're still trusting other things for your self-esteem, for your identity, for your eternity. What is it you need to let go of? It's a good question. What is it you need to let go of? What's keeping you not trusting the promises of Jesus? This morning, will you turn away from everything else and put your trust in Jesus? Well, you know, if the, second, if, if the first part of this, um, of this talk tells us what faith is, that, that transfer of trust and that gift of righteousness, then the second half of this passage tells us what faith looks like. And keeping to the topic, he uses, uh, he, uh, keeping to the topic, he uses Abraham as his example. So that's the last point this morning, what faith looks like. And he wants us to see three things that show us that we have faith. So the first thing he says is faith finds security in God's plan and God's timing. That's the first thing in the last part of this passage. Faith finds security in God's plan and God's timing. So you see that in verse 18 and 19. Verse 18 says this, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening his faith, He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was dead too. When God first spoke to Abraham, he was 75 years old and Sarah was 65 years old. And in spite of what he saw and how he felt, Abraham believed God's promise. God promised him that Sarah would have a son by him. But you can imagine how impossible that seemed. Each morning when Abraham got out of bed and had a shave and looked in the mirror, what he saw was an elderly man with an elderly wife who were only getting older. But he trusted God. And you know what? He waited 25 years, another 25 years, till God fulfilled that promise to Abraham and he and Sarah had a child. Wow. Trusting God daily means a life lived not trusting in what we see, the old man in the mirror, 
Not living by what we feel about God. God, when is this going to happen? Where is this going? Just time is ticking by. When is this going to happen? But going on what God has promised. That's what Abraham taught us in his patient 25-year wait for his promised son. Let me be clear. Faith is not as simple as looking on the bright side of life. Nor is it faith in ourselves, what we can accomplish. Rather, it's a firm understanding that God is God in spite of our weaknesses and our failures. If God has promised that we will have eternal life as we trust in his son, then we will. And when we fail and we feel at failure and we feel far from God, that is not what, it, what, the, what the truth of and reality is. When we fail, we are as close to God as we have ever been. And his work still continues in our lives and in the world, just as he promised. But secondly, faith trusts in who God is and trusts in his word. So verse 21 tells, that, tells us that Abraham was fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. So, so his, his faith wasn't blind. It was a complete trust in who God is. He was convinced that God had the power to do what he had promised and would give him a son. And the only way that could have happened was if he had carefully reasoned it out and carefully understood what a promise meant to God, not to him. So he could sit there trusting in God completely and saying, do you know what? I know what a promise means to God. I really do. It is immovable uncontrovertible fact it's not going to change it's not going to be dependent on how i feel or what i see or or, or anything else or what even is going to happen in this world when god has promised it always comes about that's what god is like and so he could trust god totally and completely that's what faith in this world is really like it's a complete and total confidence in who god is and if you're skeptical about what faith is If you've got your doubts, then check it out. The Christian claim is that Jesus is God's promised saviour. It's no secret knowledge. All a Christian is, is someone who has looked at Jesus and we've said, do you know what? He is, he is the fulfilment of all that God promised Abraham. And because he's all that God promised Abraham, we can trust in him. And build our lives on him. The third thing is that faith follows Abraham's example. Paul says in these final couple of verses of our passage, the words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us. Which means that Abraham was a pattern for us to follow. Those words are not just dead and buried with an old man who lived 4,000 years ago. They are promised for us today. And we too can have faith and righteousness just like Abraham did. How do we do that? Well, look at verse 24 and 25. We believe in him who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. That he, Jesus, died for our sins and was raised to life so we might be justified, made right with God. God's promise is that all who trust in Jesus are made right with God. So let's trust him. Let's enter into all that faith brings us and embrace the blessing of his promise. And let me be real. If you read Abraham's life, and go for it. You know, open up Genesis um, 
from Genesis chapter 12, read Abraham's life. He's a messed up little boy. At times, he questions God's promises. At times, he's more worried about his own security than what God has promised. At times, he tries to do God's promises his own way. And yes, underneath it all, he's, promised, he's trusting God by faith. And that's what happens when he trusted God. Do you know, he didn't always live out his faith. He wasn't always living in line with God's will and trying to obey God. But underneath it all, he trusted God. <laughs> it's beautiful, isn't it? And it tells us that the life of faith is not the perfect life. And it never will be the perfect life. But it's the life that clings on to what God has said he will do through his son. And it's the life that sees struggles and joys and failures as God's work in us to draw us closer to himself. That's what faith is. Faith is living and real. And as we trust in Jesus... He will not let go of us. He will not take his gift of righteousness back. He will keep us till we meet him face to face, just like he kept Abraham and just like he has kept everyone who has put their trust in him. He will keep us to the end. Faith is that transfer of trust. It's that gift of righteousness that we can, can, we can be totally convinced that God's promises will stand sure. We can be totally convinced and trust him to eternity. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you for this passage. In some ways, it's, it's quite complex. But Lord God, in its, in its deep down simplicity, we trust you. We trust you like Abraham trusted you. That just as Abraham believed in your word, we believe in your word. Just as Abraham believed that you would send someone to take away his sin and give him eternal life. We believe you have sent someone, Jesus, to take away our sin and give, you, give us eternal life. Father God, I pray that we would grow in this trust, we would grow in this faith, that our faith would shape us and mold us and move us and make us and change us and challenge us, Lord God, so that we live this world not trusting what we see, not trusting how we feel, but trusting your promise, that all who put their faith in Jesus will have eternal life and you will keep us to the end. Oh, Father God, this is precious to us. I pray that we would immerse ourselves more and more in the truth of it, knowing more and more that our faith is your gift. Our faith is your work. Our faith is built on your promises and not on anything else. We pray in your name. Amen.